This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome to the nerd cape retro podcast my name is jason robbins and i'm Derek diamond so we got a little bit of nintendo news this week um i think we pretty much let our feelings be known last week of uh, how we feel about nintendo lately uh, actually today i was in walmart earlier today and yes i know walmart is awful and i hate going there but <clears throat> i had to go there for certain things and just just out of sheer morbid curiosity, I went to see if they had any uh, classics, and of course they didn't. Do they have any switches? They uh, they had three actually. Interesting. But I did not have the money to pick one up. I'm surprised they actually had some because every store I've looked in has been sold out. I, I do have uh, a retro related story. That I can tell if uh, if you don't mind. Oh, go right ahead. So I've mentioned this before. I work for our minor league baseball team we have here in town. And uh, this past Friday, we had a theme night, which was uh, very near and dear to my heart, uh, retro gaming night. And what we did was we partnered with uh, one of our sponsors, uh, Wind Creek, who's like a casino resort uh, place. Mm-hmm. Every year they do a giveaway where every inning they give away a flat screen TV. Really? Yes. All you have to do is you know go to their table that they have set up um, on the concourse area, and you just put your name in, and they just randomly draw out nine uh, during the game, and then we you know throw their name on the board and announce it. Um, <clears throat> I thought to myself. Man, it would have been perfect if I could find an NES Classic or a Switch. <laughs> but, of course, I could find neither one. So had to settle for PS4 and Xboxes, uh. which, you know, it, it still turned out okay. And, I mean, the whole night itself was was a lot of fun. You know, I found, like, 8-bit versions of popular songs. Uh, let, let me try to remember some of them. Um Paranoid by Black Sabbath was one. <laughs> uh, I had, you know, I downloaded like over 50 songs and sound effects that we used, and it, it seemed to go over really well. That's awesome. I still say nice. that we need to do our special episode with uh, with all of our favorite um, uh, themes, like uh, classic video game themes. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I actually, we need to do that soon. Yeah. But no, the the whole night was was done really really well. We had like some cool um, we had some cool on field games that our promotions team did. One was they had put together these boxes and of course made them look like the Mario question mark blocks, <laughs> and the bottoms were cut out and were replaced with uh, tissue paper, so that kids could actually jump up and punch 
the bottom of the boxes <laughs> and prizes would come out. That's awesome. It, the unfortunate thing about it being moved is we didn't do uh, fireworks because those were on Saturdays, so we didn't get to use my cool firework track that I made. Nah. But you know, it, it was it was a fun night, and I got to be decked out in Nintendo stuff. So and that's fun. I didn't wear I didn't wear like my normal work stuff. I wore my T-shirt with you know the classic NES controller and my Vans that had the the NES controller all over them as a design. So. It, it was it was fun getting to incorporate you know a, a little bit of my nerdiness into my normal job, which is quite the opposite from what my interests are. Yeah, I need to actually. Uh, you've given me an idea to actually build a Mario box when um, and put tissue paper along the bottom, almost like a um, like a pinata. Yeah, and have it at my birthday, and just have you know walk, <laughs> run up and just punch it, and candy fall out. <laughs> Uh, that'd be sick. That'd be awesome. That'd be really good. But no, it's it was a lot of fun. I, I need to post a couple of photos from them on my uh, on my uh, Facebook page. So uh, look out for that. I'm, I might do it on the you know Nerd Cave Retro page as well. Cool. And I will no, share that, it. That's uh, that's my story for the week. Well, let's go ahead and move into our news for this week. Keeping up with the Nintendo news, this comes to us from the Business Insider. Nintendo just unveiled a new portable console. Nintendo's Blockbuster Switch is a new kind of video game console that can be plugged into a TV for big screen gaming or pocketed for portable action. But the Switch isn't Nintendo's only portable console. The 3DS has been on the market since 2011, meaning it has a deeper bench of top-tier games. Plus, as a portable-only gadget, it gets way better battery life than the Switch. And late Thursday night, Nintendo made the surprise announcement of the new Nintendo 2DS XL, a new $149 console in the 3DS console lineup on sale in July. It's just like the regular Nintendo 3DS consoles, but minus the 3D aspect. Um, interesting that you know they would unveil this right after the Switch comes out. Yeah, this uh, is really confusing to me. Like, why? Who is this for, honestly? Because everybody that has a 3DS wants a... Th or everybody that wants a 3DS... 3DS at this point has one. Um, and if you're going to get one, this seems like a step down to me. Um, and it's so close to the launch of the Switch, which is pretty much a portable device anyway... And they take the the NES Classic off the market. I don't know. This just seems like a really big misstep for Nintendo. I really don't think this thing is going to take off like the 3DS did. That was actually something that I wanted to bring up to you was that with the Switch coming out and it having its portable capabilities, does that make the 3DS irrelevant? I <sighs> That's kind of a hard question to answer. I mean, like I said, everybody that wants a 3DS pretty much has one at this point. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know anybody that's still in the market for a 3DS? I mean, I'm sure there's people still buying it for their kids or whatnot for, like, Christmas presents and stuff. But as far as mobile gaming at this point, you know, Nintendo still 
hold is the reigning champion of portable gaming with the you know the the Game Boy and the 3DS and all the all the consoles uh the portable consoles but I feel like it's just it's a dying form. I mean, you what what can you do with this thing that that you can't do with a Switch? I mean, this this seem I mean at $149, this seems like maybe a um like a consolation prize for people who can't find a switch for their kids at Christmas or something like that. Yeah, I actually think it's not the switch that has potentially killed the you know the 3DS specifically but portable gaming in general. I think when the smartphone was invented, yeah. that was what really hurt like portable console gaming because everyone's got a smartphone. Mhm. So if you can play all these kind of cool games on your phone, why are you going to spend an extra 150 to $200 for another portable, you know, another portable thing yeah. when you already have your smartphone? I mean, anybody that is into the 3DS or any kind of Nintendo portable, they get them strictly for those Nintendo experiences. Right, because you're not going to get the the Mario games or the Zelda games on a a phone. It's just not going to happen. Plus, it's not set up uh, for that type of gaming. Like you would have to have like if Nintendo was to do something weird, like, and I could see them actually doing this. Like, why doesn't Nintendo get into the phone market? Like, make a phone of their own and offer it through you know the cell phone companies and it comes with you know you can download mario games and zelda games and all that type of stuff but have some sort of peripheral that you kind of lock the phone into that turns it into like almost like what a switch is like with the the analog sticks and all that kind of stuff on it that you could play those games yeah yeah it's um i don't know i could see them doing something like that or if they even you know, offer like some of their games to be available because you know they they did um, what was it Super Mario Run for the iPhone, which is actually you know I was playing that pretty regularly when it first came out, and I'm surprised that it's something that Nintendo hasn't done more. You know, or do like a a Zelda exclusive that's strictly for a smartphone yeah. or any of their other franchises. I just really feel like the, the switch, if people, they're kind of really touting it as the portable console because you can take it with you and the battery technology is going to get better the farther along we get. And I mean, yeah, it has a short battery life, but that's going to be improved over, you know, the next couple of years. So why not concentrate completely on improving battery life for the switch and make that your portable console? No, you're right. That's what they should do. And I think it's something they have to do at some point. And like with, with breath of the wild, you know, I, I get what I think is fairly decent battery life, but I do think it's something that, that can be improved on. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's kind of a step backwards myself. I mean, unless this is just sort of a a, a mid-tier console to the next thing, like maybe there's some sort of new handheld device coming soon 
And this is just sort of like a, I don't know, just some kind of a mid-tier, I don't know, keep the keep the money rolling in sort of thing. Like, I just, I kind of don't get it. it do, I feel like it just doesn't have a place. No, I agree. But that's just me. I don't know. No, I, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> but uh, up next from RetroGamer.net, um, Night Trap is celebrating its 25th anniversary with a new edition. Uh, and actually, uh, the way this, let me, let me read a little bit about it. If you've never played Night Trap before, you basically play backup for a special ops team as they investigate the goings-on in a house where young girls keep disappearing. You do this by monitoring various cameras around the house and activating traps when the intruders appear. The whole thing is a parody of 80s slasher films with wobbly sets, dodgy acting, and a theme tune that can only be described as tremendously dreadful. There's fun to be had if you love B-movies, but ironically, you have to keep flicking away from the fun to do the tedious chore of mopping up bad guys. Uh, they're releasing the 25th anniversary on PS4 and Xbox One, uh, and they are making it uh, – the graphics on it are much better. I mean, it's not going to be in HD or anything, but if you remember the original Night Trap for the Sega CD, uh, full motion video was awful back in the day. I mean, it looked like garbage, and it was – pretty much the size of a postage stamp on your screen. But I think what they've done is they've gone back and taken um, the original footage and they've pretty much just rebuilt it from the ground up. And it is a bad game, but it's fun at the same time. It's kind of hard to describe. It's almost like you're playing a good, bad movie. If you get what my meaning uh, like about that, it's just like, it's like a really bad eighties movie. But you get to actually kind of control the story a little bit. It was, it was pretty um, uh, ahead of its time, I think. But it was also, you know, we got to where we were doing way better than this very quickly. So it was just kind of a, a stepping stone to much better things. But I'm interested actually you know, picking up a copy of this <laughs> just to play it and kind of get you know, like what we do on this show. It's all about retro gaming and it doesn't get more retro than this because this screams early nineties to me. Yeah. I'm looking at the the screen cap. Is this screen cap from the original game or is this uh, no, the remastered? This version? is the remastered version. Cause if okay. you, you would know if it was the original version, cause it would be very, very pixelated. Let me look this up. The concept of it sounds really interesting. Have we talked about this game on the show before? I believe we have. Um, it's I want to say we did a few weeks ago. It's not really so much a, a game. You're just kind of – all you're really doing is you're – I think it had Corey – was it Corey Haim? It was Corey Haim that you were uh, you were kind of in a basement and you uh, – uh, the basement of this building and you were kind of in charge of this surveillance system. And you basically just switch from camera to camera, and you can activate all the different like kind of traps in the house to, you know, deflect these bad guys that are roaming around the house. So it's not really you're not really you know, it's not Twitch gaming or anything like that. It's just you're you know, it's kind of slow and clunky, but it it's kind of a different experience, which I highly recommend. Yeah, I'm looking at screen caps of the original game now. 
like I said, the concept of it is really interesting. I'd love to to watch some gameplay of it. You know, I can't remember for sure if we have talked about this before, but I'm pretty sure our fact checker will let us know. Yeah. Well, I'm in sure in the next he will. couple of days. <laughs> but um, but this actually this game is very tame by today's standards. And I remember this was the game back in the nineties, along with stuff like uh mortal Kombat and things like that. Uh, there's a scene in this game where uh, all the girls are at like the sorority party or something like that. And they're kind of dancing around in lingerie. And <clears throat> one of the, the bad guys comes in and grabs one of the girls and drags her off. Well, that was considered pretty taboo back in the day, and it's pretty tame by today's standards because it's done very campy. But this this game is what kind of threw, you know, Congress into a tizzy about our video games meant for children. And as gamers, we know they're not. I mean, certain things are, yes, but as a medium, you know, Video games, it was something that they didn't get and still kind of don't get to this day that video games are mainly played by guys like us. You know, this was not meant for children. Mm-hmm. So it was a big deal back in the day. So it, it's good to preserve this kind of history. And I'm glad that they're putting out an uh, HD version of this game because... If you've never played it or never heard of it, it'd be good to just kind of pick it up, especially if you have an Xbox One or PS4, because it would be fun to play and kind of check out, you know, what gaming in the 90s was like when we were making that transition from, you know, 2D side scrollers to fully immersive um, experiences. Oh, for sure. And that's, you know, that's kind of the cool thing about, you know, us having played video games back then is seeing that evolution and especially seeing like the remastered versions of games that, you know, are coming out like this one. And then I know next month we have the crash bandicoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called the insanity collection where there it's remastered versions of one, two and three. And I can remember playing those games religiously back in the early nineties and seeing like the, the updated graphics and the music and everything. It's, yeah. I, I always find that stuff to be really interesting. But it's cool. Like I said, I'm glad this is a, we're kind of in this revolution now where we're going back and uh, remastering all these old gems from back in the day because they need to be preserved. They really do. Absolutely. But uh, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. And we're coming up on the end of our April games and uh, we have three to throw at you right now on april 5th of 1996 techie u true pinball was released for ps1 and saturn by digital illusions it was a pinball game by the developers who would go on to develop the battlefield series of games never heard of this game before i have not either though i have heard I of battlefield what... yeah yeah, Battlefield, yeah, I've heard of. The the true pinball, I have not. The only pinball... There are two pinball games that I have played in my life, besides, like, the physical machines, yeah. <laughs> like you see in an arcade. Um, there was Sonic Spinball, oh, yeah. where it's basically a pinball with a Sonic theme to it. And then, I think it was just called, like, 3D Space Pinball. It used to be a default game on, like, the old mid-to-late 90s computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved that game. 
I tell you, I still have my uh, black box uh, pinball for Nintendo, one of the original black box Nintendo games, and it still holds up as as one of the best pinball games for any kind of console. Oh yeah, like it's pinball is a game that's you know it's very difficult to really screw it up. Yeah, well, and to you know, I've always wanted to review it for this show because I love it, but. You know, how do you review a game like that? <laughs> it's 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 pinball. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. But <laughs> no, it's it's interesting. Like I said, I've never heard of Techie U True Pinball before. But uh on April thirtieth of nineteen ninety six, Warcraft two Beyond the Dark Portal was released by Blizzard Entertainment. It was an expansion pack to the popular RTS game Warcraft Two. With uh, the re-release of StarCraft, which actually I just um, started playing the other night, which you can get for free from Blizzard right now. Um, it's wow. completely remastered, and it is oh so fun. I'm hoping that since we're in this trend right now of you know going back and remastering all these old games really hope they go back and redo the original Warcraft one, one through three, the old RTS games for computer. That would be so awesome. Dude, that thing would sell. Oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you have no idea. I mean, I listened to another podcast called uh, the instance uh, and it's all about blizzard gaming and people want that. Like they've, uh, Blizzard has been hinting about it for a while now, for about a year or so, and I think it's going to happen. I really do. Within the next year, they're going to announce. I, I think that the StarCraft, once they realize how many people will re-download StarCraft to play it, the original one, um, for free, I think they realize that they can make a lot of money off the original WarCraft series. Oh, for sure. It'll if it's not announced this year, it will be next year. I think. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, it, if they don't announce it this year at BlizzCon. They very well could. We'll see. Uh, on April thirtieth of nineteen ninety six, Indiana Jones and His Desktop Adventures was released for the PC by Lucas Arts, point and click adventure game developed by Lucas Arts in the popular Indiana Jones franchise. I have never heard of this game before. I have not either. It sounds like almost like an educational game you would yeah. play at school. Hey, let me let me click on the link just to see because it gave me that vibe too. Uh, it's an adventure video game uh, made to run on a windowed form on the desktop to limit memory use and allow the player to perform other tasks. Uh, the game is set in the mid-1930s Middle America with a variety of characters, puzzles, and outcomes. Um, it doesn't seem to be, I mean, it seems, it kind of seems to just be kind of like a, uh, overhead perspective, uh, mm -hmm. where you're just kind of moving indie around, um, solving puzzles and things like that. And I don't know, it looks like a pretty fun little game. Yeah, it definitely looks like something that I would have played in school. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you hear that Indiana Jones five is like confirmed? Oh Yeah. Finally, mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. they can. I hope they uh, white, try to like make four like non-existent, <laughs> like go back and retroactively wipe that one out of existence. 
Yeah, it was. That was not a good movie. No, no, <laughs> nope. I'm sure this one will be better, but it's it's not coming out till like 2020, I think. Good lord, Harrison Ford's gonna be like 95 years old. I know. I I don't know how they're gonna <coughs> do it. I mean, I'm sure they'll figure something out, but um, uh, I don't know. I, I I could be wrong. Let me let me look that up. So that's one less thing that I get called out on. If you know what I mean. You know what they need to do? They just need to set it up like the old um, Adventures of Indiana Jones or Young Indiana Jones where they have Harrison Ford come in like for the beginning of the movie where he sets up the adventure like he's talking to like a grandson or something. And then they go into the movie and like they just they cast someone else as Indiana Jones. And then he Harrison Ford comes back at the end of the movie to kind of bookend it. Yeah, it'd be cool if they got somebody like a Chris Pratt to play uh, Indiana Jones. Like, I actually think he would be really good. Because, look, I love Harrison Ford. I love Indiana Jones, but I don't want to see a 78-year-old man swinging from, from, you know, over chasms and dodging arrows and doing all the stuff that Indiana Jones does. That's That's elder abuse. No, it pretty much is. <laughs> yeah, it says here, uh, this is from uh, PPP Focus. They announced actually a lot of release dates. Uh, let's see, Frozen 2 will be released November of 2019. Um, let's see, Episode 9. Well, starting next year with um, the Han Solo movie, they're moving the Star Wars movies back to summer, which I actually... I kind of like them coming out around Christmas now. I do, too. It gives me something to look forward to around Christmas. Yeah, because, I mean, there's so many big summer movies that come out. It's like you make December Star Wars month. <clears throat> yeah, and plus I'm off for two weeks during December. So whenever it comes out, I have two weeks to go and watch it as often as I want. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Let's see, uh, where is it? The live-action Lion King... Uh, is July 19th, 2019. Uh, where was it? Oh, Indiana Jones 5 will hit theaters on July 10th, 2020. Hmm. Wow. That's a long time to wait. I'll be, uh, let's see, I turned 31 this year. I'll be 33. I'll be 42. <laughs> <laughs> and Harrison Ford will be 116. <laughs> uh, did you hear what he said about the Han Solo movie? No. Uh, so he was at, at Celebration, and somebody was interviewing him and was like, oh, are you excited to see you know a Han Solo movie about the character's younger days? And he said, not really. <laughs> uh, gotta love Harrison Ford. Yeah, he's a crotchety old man. He doesn't give a shit about anything. No, he doesn't, and I respect him for it. Oh, yeah, that's why we love him. Yeah. But uh, let's see, I believe that does it for yeah. this month in gaming history. Yes, it does. Yeah. Well, before we move on to our review, uh, I ha- do have to remind you, because I can't think of a really good segue at the moment because I'm very tired and my brain is fried. <laughs> but um, but well, for- Let me just say this. I've been uh, getting back into the Stephen King Dark Tower series, 
And you know what the best way to experience that is by Audible. Tell them about Audible. For you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, as I mentioned last week, finished Star Wars Bloodline. Uh, very good. Highly recommend it. Um, I've downloaded the Thrawn book. I have not started it yet, but I am very excited about it. And there's also a new book that's coming out, I think, next month by uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson hmm. that deals with multiple dimensions. Oh, i that... got to get my hands on that. Yeah, and I've got a uh, an Audible credit that I am saving <laughs> just for that. So. Nice. If you want to download, you know, they've got romance, mystery, fiction, nonfiction, any genre that you like, Audible has got it. And if you're on the go like I am, it's the perfect way to read books, especially if you have like a you know, 20 or 30 minute drive, or if you have a day off and you're, you know, cleaning the house, you know, doing laundry, doing dishes, you just pop in the earbuds and start listening. Absolutely. That's the perfect way to do it. If you have a job like I do where you get to stay in a shop all day by yourself and you listen to a lot of podcasts, well, eventually you run out of podcasts. And then you know what you listen to? Audiobooks. Exactly. And to do that, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. And coming up for, for our review for this week... We got bad dudes for the NES. Are you a bad enough dude to save the president, Derek? Sure. <laughs> you don't sound confident, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes, I am. Well, good. I am Be bad enough to save the president. Because Bad Dudes was originally known as Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja, and known in Japan as simply as Dragon Ninja. It's a 1988 arcade game developed and published by Data East. It was also ported to many computer and game console home systems. The game was followed by a 1991 spiritual successor to Crude Dudes, known in Japan as Crude Buster, after Data East became defunct due to their bankruptcy in 2003. G-Mode bought the intellectual rights to the arcade game, as well as most other Data East games, and licensed them globally. It is a side-scrolling beat-em-up where the players are set in the role of the titular duo tasked with rescuing President Ronnie from Ninja Kidnappers. It was met with commercial success, and a generally positive to mixed critical reception. It has since become widely known for its general premise and introduction cutscenes. Um, this is... I'm not going to say it's the greatest side-scrolling beat-em-up, but I will say this. It's better than Double Dragon, I think, on the NES. The Wow. The fighting is more fluid, um... The hit detection's a little bad, I will say that, but I have a lot of fun playing this game. It's a horrible video game. I mean, I shouldn't say horrible. It's not great, but it's not the worst game I've ever played. It's got its problems. It's um, it's a little hard to control. The controls are a little bit clunky. Um, 
it takes but once you kind of get used to the it it's not like the bad controls really break the game too badly it you you just kind of get used to the bad controls if you know what i'm saying like once you get used to it it, it gets playing it gets easier um it, <laughs> I don't want to say that, you know, I, it it is one of probably the best side-scrolling beat-em-ups for the NES, um, and I, I recommend it. I have a lot of fun playing this game, um, and it is kind of, eh, it's a little cheesy. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a 1980s action beat-em-up, so... You know, it's it feels like you're playing an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the '80s. So it's what it sounds like, just yeah. by the title. And you know, the the first part of the game is just like, "Are you a bad enough dude to rescue the president?" Like, well, well, yeah, I think so. I am. <laughs> Let's play. Sure. And <laughs> and uh, the plot says the game starts in Washington D.C., where President Ronnie, guess who that's based on, has been abducted by the <laughs> evil dragon ninja. The game's intro begins with the following introduction: rampant ninja-related crimes. Com- the rampant ninja-related crimes these days. White House is not the exception. As soon as that occurs, a Secret Service agent asks the two street-smart brawlers, the bad dudes named Blade and Striker, President Ronnie has been kidnapped by the ninjas. Are you a bad enough dude to rescue Ronnie? After hearing that, the bad dudes pursue the Dragon Ninja through New York City. A moving big rig truck, a large storm sewer, a forest a freight train, and an old Southern Pacific line, a cave, and into an underground factory in order to save President Ronnie. At least it's got a plot. (laughs) It's got a easier to understand. Well, I wouldn't say easier to understand. It's pretty much the, you know, it's along those lines of you got to go save, you know, the president or the princess. Like in Double Dragon, you got to go save... uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Ken's girlfriend or whatever. You just, that's the whole point of these side scrolling beat em ups back in the eighties and nineties. It was the same thing for final fight and all that. It's just, it's a reason for two guys to have to go and beat the shit out of people for like five or six levels, save the president or save the girl. And that's the end of the game. I mean, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. This sounds like, an 80s movie that needed to happen. Oh, yeah. I'm, I could and totally I'm disappointed see, that it didn't. I could totally see this being like a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Oh, absolutely. I don't know why, but like, have, did you ever see the movie The Other Guys with Will uh, Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg? Yes, yes, I did. If you were to do like a modern-day version, I would totally pick The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson's <laughs> characters from that movie to do something like this. I think it would totally fit. You know, it, with what they're doing with movies these days, where they're kind of going back and taking all these properties from like the '80s and stuff, and and um, really kind of turning them into not really a joke, but kind of um, really making them kind of comedies. Like I could really see someone taking the premise of this game. And making a movie out of this game and doing the same thing that like they're doing with uh, 
you know, chips and uh, Baywatch and things like that. Because it would be totally crazy to make a movie about this video game where, like, two, like, street-fighting dudes have to go and save the president from ninjas. I mean, that's just, like... Yeah. <laughs> the plot is just so early to mid 80s. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah, you I mean you're not going to get, you know, a a Legend of Zelda level of, you know, putting in 20 to 30 hours playing a game trying to find, you know, hidden secrets and uh solving puzzles and all you're not going to get much story like this game doesn't want to be any more than what it is. So that's what makes this game good. Yeah. Uh, one question I did have about this game in the early description of it, it says the game was followed by a 91 spiritual successor to crude dudes. Yeah. So did they, did they graduate from being <laughs> bad to just being yeah. crude? Yeah. I think maybe they, you know, they go to, they go hang out at bars and like, you know, they go uh, frequent hookers and, you know, like pat women on the butt and just be like really, you know, big jerks. Sounds like an early version of Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah, I'm that. I didn't, honestly, I had no idea this game had a sequel to it. Now, like I said, I've never, I'd never heard of this game. I was looking at, you know, the Google Doc sheet that we have and I was like, huh. I've never heard of this before, and I was reading the description a little bit before we started, and the first thing I thought was that it might have been adapted from, like, an 80s movie that I had never heard of. But the fact that, you know, that wasn't made, like you said, it sounds like the perfect uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal film. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it actually sounds, you know, it sounds like a lot of fun. It is, and like I said, when you first start playing it, the controls are awful. So, but until you kind of get used to how the controls are and it's not very intuitive, like the jumping and the dropping down and all that kind of stuff. But once you kind of get the hang of it, it gets a lot easier. And like I said, the hit detection is off and you kind of got to learn where to hit someone. Um, but also, uh, and I forgot about this too. There was another Data East game in the 80s, too, called Karnov. Uh, and he was um, he made a cameo appearance in Bad Dudes as the first boss in the game. Huh. That's it says, uh, the NES instruction manual, in addition to being short on actual instructions, claims the reason Karnov is working with the ninjas is a mystery. The titular character of another Data East arcade arcade game, Chelnov, can be seen being transported in a frozen container on a freight train in the arcade version of Bad Dudes vs. Dragon Ninja. So they're like, they got like a whole like little universe going on here. Maybe the early uh, conception of what became the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> it started here. <laughs> yeah, it all started with bad dudes. <laughs> like I said, this is not going to win any kind of. I I I would love to hear from someone if you are out there listening to this podcast right now, and Bad Dudes is your favorite game like of all time or your favorite NES game, please. I want to hear from you because 
you know, I like this game just because of what it is, but this would not be anywhere near any kind of top 10 list for me. But, um, but like I said, I like playing it. It's fun. It's bad, but it's a bad good. And you got to have games like that though. I mean, I can't tell you how many games I've played that, you know, would not make my top 10 or probably even my top 20. And they're not that great of games, but they're still fun. Yeah, well, and that's this, what's that's what's great about video games is that yeah. the the fun is all subjective. Well, this is one of those games that, like, when you were a kid, you know, every Christmas or birthday, you would ask for the big games like Zelda or Mario or something like along those lines. You know, the big titles, Metroid. But you'd always end up getting like from your grandmother or something, like something like this. This is one of those games that you get that you don't ask for, but it ends up being kind of good. Like one of those games that just ends up being, you know, as you get older, that you get that nostalgic feeling when you think of or play this game. Like this, this was never going to be one of those games that like, oh, I got to get bad dudes for Christmas. <laughs> it was like, I got to get Double Dragon for Christmas or Ninja Gaiden. It's not going to be bad dudes. Yeah. No, this it it sounds like a fun game, and all honestly, it does. It is. Uh, it says the game was commercially successful in arcades uh, on the coin slot charts printed in the August 1988 issue of Sinclair user Bad, Dude, Bad Dudes was number two on the arcade video game chart. Uh, Sinclair user in its January 1989 issue gave it the award for beat 'em up of 1988. Wow. Uh, it it even. It was listed, actually, um, President Ronnie, as he appears in the arcade version of the game, was ranked second in EGM's list of top 10 video game politicians in 2008. In 2010, UGO wrote, No Ninja Game Retrospective could possibly be complete without some mention of bad dudes. In 2013, Complex had it, on, had it top their list of the video games where you kick ass in the name of America <laughs> as the most American game of them all. Uh, USA, USA, <laughs> That just USA. says it all right there. Yes. Uh, something that's interesting, reading the legacy portion, it says here a sequel attempt supposed to take place 23 years after the first game was unsuccessfully attempted to be financed via uh, Kickstarter. I wish I'd have known about that because I would have pushed that like crazy on this show. Yeah, that would have been cool. If I had known about really that, cool. I do. I would have thrown them a hundred bucks easy. Uh, that's saying a lot. I know. I mean, dude, if somebody comes back and says, "Hey, we want to do uh, a redo of Double Dragon or something for an, like an original NES cartridge, or do a sequel to you know some uh, you know NES game back in the day," I'll throw them some cash. I mean, that just sounds fun. Oh, for sure. But for I, sure, yeah. On a scale of 10, I'm going to give this game, it gets a good solid 7. This game is a C, you know? C's get degrees, and I would give this game a degree. I love that saying. C's get degrees. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's a fun game. If you find it, you can find this game for cheap. I mean, you could go to your local retro gaming store right now, and you're going to find this in the, the common pile on the wall. 
for like three or four bucks. It, I mean, it is not uh, a rare game by any stretch of the imagination. You can pick this thing up anywhere you want for less than $5. And it's worth it. Worth every penny. I'll be on the lookout for one. But uh, but that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this week. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get out of here? Um, I don't believe so. Other than you know, we do have a um, we do have a film shoot coming yes, up in do. a few weeks. I did my first. Uh, well, I had to Skype in for it, but we did our first table read the other night. Oh, how'd that go? It went fantastic. Oh, good, good. It's yeah, be the fun. film we're talking about is uh, Survey, which is a film that is being written and directed by Steve Wise, the programming director of Pensacon. Uh, Jason is going to be on camera doing all kinds of cool stuff, and I'll be standing off screen <laughs> with a giant pole with a microphone. Actually, if you would put the, the Facebook page and the um, the Twitter on in the show notes so people can be brought there and that'll take you to um just go to the either the facebook page for survey or the twitter and through either of those you can get to the indiegogo page yeah absolutely no though i'll put both in the description awesome and it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a lot of fun it's been it's been i think three years since i've been on any type of like a set like that. Oh, we're going to so have fun. It's, it's my been friend. a while. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be yeah, hot. I, <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah. Shooting in Florida in yeah. early June. And I'm going to be wrapped we're, up in rags. <laughs> bring a lot of water. Yes. Is all I will say. Water and Gatorade. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm only going to be able to be on set for one day. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the dates got moved to June, and yeah. one of those days I have to work. But, you know, being there one out of the two days is better than zero. But I'll be there the whole time. And we might actually, we might actually have to uh, skip our show for that weekend, which actually it's uh, June 3rd and 4th. Um, mm-hmm. So we may record an extra episode that week before and release it that night. But I hate doing it that way because then we kind of miss out on the news of the week. So, um I don't know. We'll we'll kind of work around it somehow. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But uh, well, cool. Um, if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can find us on our own website at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And you can follow us individually on Twitter at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So, Derek, tell them what it's all about. Are you a bad enough dude to save the president? Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. 